You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to take a look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, and we're going to be talking about the fact that we need to stop giving God our excuses. But before we take a look at that, I wanted to share something very quick with you. As I've mentioned in several previous episodes, I recently released a one-year devotional called Desire Jesus. I've been releasing it in 30-day formats throughout the course of the year and encouraging people to download it for free from our website. But now the full one-year edition has been complete. It's been available online for the past several weeks, and I've been very pleased with the response to it. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to use a one-year devotional before, but one of the things that I've often noticed when I've attempted to use them is that there are some very good ones, but many of them are very brief. Uh, They don't talk about a whole lot. Sometimes they just give you uh, a little bit of information and a brief reference to a scripture. And while I didn't try to make this devotional excessively long, each devotional is basically one page, I wanted to make each devotional entry something that pointed our hearts to Christ and reminded us of what it looks like to be strengthened by Him, encouraged through Him, refreshed by Him, and I wanted to show how the Scriptures point our hearts to Jesus. And so throughout the course of the devotional, you'll see that on every page. It's literally the longest book I've ever written, and I've been very excited to be able to release it. So it's available right now. You can find it on our website, desirejesus.com. You could also go directly to it uh, via amazon.com, if you'd like, just by searching for Desire Jesus. Or if you put in my name, John Stonge, you'll also find it. It's usually the first thing that comes up in the search results when you put that in, which is certainly exciting. I'm grateful for the exposure. But I'm also grateful for those of you who listen to this podcast who took the time to get a copy and have left reviews. That is extremely important when a new book is released. Basically, if a book doesn't get uh, reviews from those who have taken the time to read it, it seems to get buried in Amazon's algorithm. So thank you so much to those of you who have already picked up a copy. I know some of you picked up a Kindle edition. Some of you have the paperback. And multiple people have left reviews that said that they listened to this podcast. So I'm very edified by your kind comments, and I'm very grateful to have the privilege to share this work with you. I spent an entire year putting it together, and so it's great to actually be able to see it in front of me and share it with others. And again, I hope sincerely that it is something that the Lord uses to encourage you in your walk with him. You can find more information about it on our website, desirejesus.com, or you can find it on Amazon just by searching for Desire Jesus One Year Devotional. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're going to begin a study of the book of Jeremiah. And over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at not every chapter, because it's a rather long book, but we're going to be looking at key sections from the book of Jeremiah. And today we're in Jeremiah chapter 1. So we'll be looking at verses 1 to 10. But one of the principles that I believe that this scripture encourages us to adopt is the idea that we need to stop giving God our excuses. So if you would turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, starting with verse 1, and this is what it states. 
the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. And Lord, as we do so, we pray that we would learn a variety of things of what it means to be true, devoted followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that as you work in our lives, that we wouldn't give you excuses, but that we would be people who obey your leading and trust your direction. Lord, we pray that we would follow you in all contexts, and we pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to learning more about what it looks like to be devoted followers of yours as we begin our study of the book of Jeremiah. We love you, Lord. We commit this day to your care, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start us off today with a bit of a question. And the question is this, and maybe I'll ask it in two ways. But first off, what does it take to become good at something? Or maybe I could say it this way. By what standard might someone actually be considered great at something? Typically, our standard for measuring the skill, talent, or giftedness of a person is by the results they produce. And if that's the kind of standard we applied to the prophet Jeremiah, we might end up actually calling him a failure. And if we called him a failure, we would be dead wrong. Now, Jeremiah was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah beginning in the year 627 B.C. He was faithful to the Lord's calling on his life. He was courageous in the midst of persecution. He was given a thankless task as he proclaimed the truth to a rebellious people that didn't want to hear what the Lord was saying through him. His message was mocked. He was called a liar. His life was threatened. And the people of Judah did not repent of their sins. But God gave Jeremiah the task to speak the truth to a dying generation, and Jeremiah relied on the Lord to provide him the strength to accomplish this task. Later in his life, he was taken to Egypt, and it's believed that he was stoned to death and buried in an unmarked grave because his message was so despised. 
yet we can be confident that he received a rich welcome into the presence of God as one who trusted in him and one who poured out his heart and his life trying to point others to the Lord. And there's a variety of things that were shown in this opening section of Jeremiah's book. And one of the things that these opening verses reveal to us is that God's plan for your life isn't something that just occurred to him. Let me reread verses 4 and 5. This is what those verses say. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Is it reasonable to believe that the Lord has a plan for your life, or is that just fanciful thinking? With the billions of people currently living in the world and the billions that have come before us, is it too much to believe that God would notice any one of us and ordain a mission for us even before we were born? But truthfully speaking, this is exactly what the Lord does. And there are multiple places in Scripture that testify to this truth. In Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14, it says this, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 say, But when he who had set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his Son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. That's what the Scripture tells us. And as the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the Lord told him that he knew him even before he was born. The Lord expressed to Jeremiah the fact that he was intentionally formed in the womb, that he was set apart as one who belonged to God, and that he was appointed as a prophet to the nations. God is sovereign. He is in complete control, and nothing escapes his sight. He knows all things that have happened and will happen. He is steering the events of world history toward the day when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, will rule and reign over the nations. And by his grace, we have the privilege to be included in his plan. God doesn't do anything by accident. His decision that you would be born when you were born and where you were born was for the purpose that you would have the greatest opportunity to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith. And if you know Christ, please also know that the Lord's plan for your life is not something that just occurred to him out of thin air. From eternity past, he has ordained a distinct and intentional purpose for how you would use the few really brief decades that you're given on this earth. I like what we're told in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The kind of plan the Lord carved out for Jeremiah is most certainly not the kind of experience we would choose for ourselves. I have personally experienced what it's like to preach to people who did not want to hear what I was saying, and it can be a demoralizing experience. Now, there were maybe a couple people during Jeremiah's life who appreciated what he was saying, 
but the rest detested him. Yet Jeremiah trusted that the Lord's will was perfect, and his plan was intentional. You may not have chosen the kind of plan the Lord has ordained for your life on this earth, but with the strength he provides, trust him with the life he has given you, and rest confident in the fact that his plans are perfect. Something else this scripture brings out by way of the things that are told to us here about Jeremiah is this. God likes to use the most unlikely people to accomplish his plan through. This is what it says in verses 6 through 8. It says, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. One of the most offensive things happened to me on New Year's Eve of my senior year of college. My wife's family and I were invited to have dinner at the home of a family that was friends with her parents. And after the meal, one of the women at the table asked me what my plans were after I graduated from college. So I told her that I planned to serve as the pastor of a church, and I had a job opening that was waiting for me. And when I said that, she laughed, and she said this. She said, I couldn't sit under the ministry of a man that young. Even someone 25 years old would still be too young to be a pastor. And she said it in a very declarative way, and almost in a with like a mocking tone toward the fact that I told her that that was where I felt the Lord was leading me to serve. And so I didn't know what to say to her in the moment. And I could tell that she made just about everyone at the table feel a little bit awkward, but her mockery of my age was honestly hurtful at the time. And naturally speaking, there are certain qualifications that we tend to look for in leaders or in those that we expect God to accomplish his work through. We expect things like this. We expect them to be older, but not too old, right? We want them to be older, but not too old. We want them to be educated, but not too overly academic. We want them to be social, but not obnoxious. We want them to be gregarious, but not silly. We want them to be of good physical stature, but not vain. We want them to be people of character, but not so holy as to seem inaccessible. But basically, we have this image in our minds that the Lord might prefer using people who meet the world's standards of perfection. But when we look at the scriptures, we discover that the Lord delights to do great things through unlikely people like us. When the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, he was still a young man. As the Lord revealed his plan for Jeremiah's life, how did Jeremiah respond? Jeremiah gave God excuses. He claimed he wasn't sufficient for the task he was being called to. He tried to use his youth as a disqualifying factor. He tried to convince God that his inexperience with public speaking made him a bad choice for the task at hand. And how did God respond to Jeremiah's excuses? God effectively told him to quit giving him excuses, to stop whining, to go to the people God had called him to go to, and to say whatever God told him to say. Now, as I'm sure any of us can appreciate, Jeremiah was afraid. He was afraid of what people might say to him and how they might react to him. The Lord knew his heart and likewise told him that 
He didn't need to be afraid. He promised to be with Jeremiah and that he would ultimately deliver him. Basically, whether he was afraid or not, God was calling Jeremiah to remain faithful. This was a lesson the Lord taught the Apostle Paul as well. We see an example of this in what Paul says in the opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he said this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's something the Lord taught the Apostle Paul, and that's something the Lord was about to teach Jeremiah as well. And the beautiful thing is that God likes to use unlikely people like us for tasks like this. Are you afraid of what God has called you to do? If so, that's understandable, but guess what? You'll be okay. Don't let your emotions paralyze you or prevent you from taking the kind of steps of faith that the Lord has planned for you to walk in. Now, there's one other thing that this portion of Scripture brings out that I want us to notice today, and that's this. Be a faithful steward of the authority the Lord entrusts to you. Look at what it says in Jeremiah 1, verses 9 and 10. It says, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The words Jeremiah would speak to the people would not be his own. His calling wasn't to share his own ideas or opinions. His calling wasn't to echo the ideas and ideals of his generation for the applause of men. The Lord reached out and touched Jeremiah's mouth. This act demonstrated the fact that the words Jeremiah spoke would be the words of God. The very words of God would be put in Jeremiah's mouth. The Lord told Jeremiah that he was being set over nations and kingdoms to both destroy and build. Jeremiah was being called to be a faithful steward of what the Lord had placed under his oversight. But much of what that task included wouldn't necessarily be fun. Plucking up, breaking down, destroying, and overthrowing, those things don't sound as delightful as building and planting. But Jeremiah's ministry would have aspects of each of these things. The culture of the time was so far from the Lord. The people were worshiping false gods and even sacrificing their children to these demons. And they showed almost no interest in the Word of God or the heart of God. And Jeremiah's message was going to expose that. It would offend them and irritate them. But it would be true and it would be accurate. Now let's be honest and introspective for a second, because this is very much like our own experience with the Lord. I believe that the message of the gospel offends us before it delights us, before we experience the depth of the joy of being rescued, redeemed, saved, and forgiven by Jesus Christ. We need to first wrestle with the state we were in. 
The Bible teaches us that we were enemies of God, chained to our sin, and under the righteous wrath of God. We were condemned to an eternity of separation from God and constant torment in a very real place the Scripture calls hell. I don't see how telling someone that they are presently destined for eternity in hell wouldn't be offensive. That's a pretty offensive thing to say, but it's necessary for that message to really set in if we're ever going to value the offer that God has given us to be rescued through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. The gospel offends before it heals, much like Jeremiah understood as he preached. If you've never received forgiveness for your sin, Christ invites you to receive it today through faith in him. If you have received forgiveness and new life through Christ, he invites you to stop giving him your excuses because he has a distinct and specific plan for your life. He will use you even if you aren't the most ideal candidate by this world's standards, and he will enable you to rely on his strength day by day to remain faithful to his mission for you. God wants you but he doesn't want your excuses. Even if you're still afraid of what he wants to do in your life, he invites you to trust him anyway. Don't waste this opportunity to do so. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the variety of things that you show us here in this portion of Scripture from the book of Jeremiah. Lord, we recognize that we as human beings, just like Jeremiah, are more apt, naturally speaking, to offer you excuses than we are to offer you obedience or faithfulness. But Lord, you can take insecure, excuse-minded people and turn us into faithful ambassadors of your gospel. So Lord, we're grateful that you're willing to use unlikely candidates to do these sorts of things. And Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be afraid to do what you ask us to do, but that rather we would be obedient to you in all contexts of life, as men and women who recognize that we have been rescued and redeemed through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that we would be faithful to you and that we would proclaim the message of your gospel in the way that we conduct our lives, in what we preach to our hearts, in what we communicate to others and in the perspective that we hold on to as we go about our day-to-day lives. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for these reminders today from your word, and we pray that by your grace that we would walk with you faithfully in all contexts of life. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. Again, as I mentioned at the start of this episode, I'd invite you to check out my newest devotional. It's the Desire Jesus One-Year Devotional. You can find it in the bookstore at desirejesus.com, or you could also find it on amazon.com by searching for the Desire Jesus One-Year Devotional. I'm very grateful for those of you that, again, have given me feedback regarding it. I'm grateful for those of you that have taken the time to write a review. I recognize that that's a very intentional act when somebody sits down to actually write a review and post it on Amazon, but it's extremely helpful, and it's been just a, a, just a, a real blessing to me as I've been trying to make the good news of Jesus Christ known in the different areas where the Lord's allowed me 
to have a voice. So thank you again for participating in that with me, and thank you for giving the opportunity for this devotional to be something that the Lord uses to strengthen your walk with him throughout this coming year. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.